alligators. When you could be here in church. Just being funny. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. Speak to us by your word this morning, Lord God. Pray that you'll change our lives in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing in the book of Matthew. So um, the title of the sermon is Sticks and Stones because of that, uh, I don't call it a nursery rhyme or saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Um, so they're calling Jesus names this morning in the verse. And so I didn't uh, explain that first service. So I got questioned like, well, I didn't hear anything about sticks or stones. Um, it's okay. <laughs> You'll see. Um, so we're continuing the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 27. It says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. So we're still in Matthew chapter 10. And so if you remember a couple weeks ago, Matthew chapter 10 started with uh, Jesus picking his 12 disciples. And then he's going to send them out uh, to the Jews, the lost sheep of Israel, to tell them, hey, the kingdom has come. The Messiah that you've been waiting for is here. The kingdom has come. And so for them to repent and turn their lives around and, and come back to the faith. Um, this time he's going to, they're going to the Jews to do this. This is, he's sending them out. Um, he's made it clear to them that they will not be well received and they should expect to be attacked. Um, as you've seen over the last uh, few weeks in Matthew, um, he's trying to set them up to be prepared for what's coming for them next. And as you can see, he's telling them right now, hey, if they call, they called Jesus, if they called him names, they're going to call you names as well. Uh, so my first point is this. They were hateful to Jesus. Uh, they will be hateful to you too. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 again says, The disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Now, Beelzebub, uh, the transliteration of the Hebrew phrase is Lord of the Flies. It's kind of good. This is a Philistine god associated with the Canaanite god of Baal. So when you read through the New Testament or the Bible in general, you can see that the, the god of the Philistines, the god of the enemy of God's people, is Baal. They create altars to Baal. They're always talking about turn away from those wicked idols and those uh, those false gods and turn towards God. So the god of Baal is basically like the antithesis of what Jesus would be. They call him the prince of demons. Um, and it's the opposite. The reality here is that um, this is basically the most demeaning and insulting thing they could have called Jesus. They're not just calling him a name. They're find, trying to find the worst name they can call him to try to be as hurtful as possible. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life, but if you uh, watch YouTube at all, you will see that people all the time will try to insult and call other people's name and belittle them by saying the worst possible thing they can think of. Most of the time it's not, well, almost all the time it's not true. Uh, most of the time it makes them sound just horrible. 
but the reality is they're just trying to find what would be the worst possible thing to call you. Um, they're not going to call uh, somebody over here the same names as they call you because it may not hurt their feelings. But it's going to hurt your feelings. So that's what they do. And this is what they're trying to do to Jesus right now. They're trying to think of the worst possible thing that they could call him. Why didn't they call him a leper? That's pretty bad. Lepers were outcasts. Because that's not going to hurt him. They're going to call him a demon. The opposite of what he is. The Philistine God. That's what they're calling him right now. They're trying to be as mean as possible. In Mark chapter 3 verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said. The scribes came down from Jerusalem, said, he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. There's only two choices, right? I mean, if this guy's doing miracles and casting out demons and changing lives, he's either from God, which kind of messes with their whole system, or he must be from the devil. So they're like, well, we're going to say he's from the devil. I mean, how else are they going to explain it to the people that he's doing these miraculous things of God if it's from God? Then it kind of wrecks their little story there. But what is interesting about this to me is notice how this isn't the wicked Gentiles insulting Jesus. I mean, so often we think of this persecution in terms of wicked, evil, pagan people trying to persecute us for our faith. But this is the religious leaders of the day. These are his own people. That are trying to discredit him and call him names. I'm trying to put it in terms of, of today. Um, this isn't like it's a bunch of actors or celebrities or musicians or politicians calling him names. This is as if a coalition of pastors in Auburn got together and called you Beelzebub and tried to discredit you. It's like his own people. I don't understand why people care what actors think anyway. I really don't like you may have played the president in a movie once, but that doesn't mean you know anything about politics. I, I don't understand where this uh, self of uh, like uh, grandeur comes from. Like you played a hero, a superhero in a movie. Now we're supposed to care about what you think. And I mean, they're just people. Listen, I, I care about what they think just as much as I care about what anybody thinks. You know, they could be right or wrong. Some of them know a whole bunch of stuff. Some of them don't know anything. But I just think it's weird that if a celebrity says it, somehow we like revolve our lives around it. Did you hear what this person said? Who cares what they said? They're good. Their whole career is being good at pretending to be somebody they're not. Why does that lend credibility to them being somebody we should listen to? I don't know. Maybe that shouldn't be the benchmark for uh, opinions that matter. Honestly, though, in our society, the more money you make, the more people care what you think, which is just completely bizarre to me. But nonetheless, that's not what it's like. It's like Jesus being uh, attacked by his own people, calling him basically the, 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 uh, the God of their arch enemies. They've been fighting with the Philistines forever. That's like the worst thing. And that's the direction they go, trying to do what they can to to um, uh, destroy his ministry and to discredit who he is. What's interesting is they're also willing to compromise their own integrity to preserve their power. I mean, Jesus is infringing on their turf, right? They're in power right now. People listen to them. They speak for God. Now, Jesus is showing, uh, showing up saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. And the kingdom has come. 
you need to change your ways. And all the religious leaders are like, whoa, slow down. Like people are listening to us. We're in charge. We have the power. Now, for a Pharisee, their whole belief system revolved around the idea that if you, if everyone would strictly adhere to the law and was righteous, then the kingdom would come back. So they were all about knowing the law and following the law, which made it just so much more hypocritical and compromising that they would violate their own laws to try to undermine Jesus and convict him falsely of things. You see the thing here? They're being compromising of their own values. And and when I look at society, I see that happen so often. The idea that the end justifies the means, I hate that concept. I hate the idea that that's how we would look at life, that we're going to do this wrong thing or compromise our morals and integrity over here because we think over here it will end up being better. Rather than just saying, I'm going to stick to honoring God in my life and trust him that he can make the outcome the way he wants it. Do we trust him for our future or don't we? Or do we feel like we have to violate his laws in order to create a future that we think is going to be right in the long run? I hate that idea that the end justifies the means. John chapter 16, verse 1 through 3 says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father and they have not known me. I think when you look at these spiritual leaders and religious leaders that are coming together and seeing their compromise in their behavior and they're compromising their, their stated values and trying to undermine Jesus, I think of that it's altogether possible and likely that they don't even have a relationship with God. That's why it's so easy for them to compromise their values and throw Jesus under the bus because they don't have a true faith of their own. So they think that their service to God is what they're actually doing because they don't actually know the Father. They said intentionally hateful and hurtful things to Jesus. So you should expect that you're going to get the same thing if you speak up about what you believe in and about the gospel. Expect it. Um, Unless... Unless you just want to hide in the shadows, be a Christian ninja, highly trained, smart, agile, sneak in, do something and sneak out. Everybody's like, oh, what happened? Was a Christian here? Who are they? I don't know. I just see this tract on the, on the break room table. Christian ninja snuck in there, put some tracks out. Then disappeared hoping that you'll pick that thing up and just get saved. Rather than actually saying, hey, here's a track, let me tell you about Jesus. If you want to hide in the shadows and stay quiet, maybe no one will notice you. And then you won't get attacked, I guarantee it. Let's talk about the Amish. I love the Amish. I've always admired the Amish. I've always wondered what it would be like to just be like Amish in real life. Like, not in a circle of like-minded community, but like out in the world like this. You like dress the same every day, you know, and you you have all these different things that uh, separate you. Now, uh, the Amish, for the most part, are just really devout in their Christian faith. They follow the rules really well. They're willing to, not compromise, but um, willing to sacrifice their own wants and desires to do the best they can to adhere to what the Bible says. Down to the way they dress, the way 
way they look, how they work together in a community. They're working really hard at being really good Christians. But how come nobody attacks the Amish? How come, how come we don't hear uproars and, and scandalous, uh, um, controversy about how the Amish have made such a huge stand in the world to live for Christ? Because they don't talk to anybody about it. They circled the wagons. They're they're in their own little community together. As admirable as it is that they are living a a Christly life and making such sacrifices, since they don't talk to anybody about it, since they don't proselytize, since they don't go out into the wicked world and try to tell people about their God, no one's going to try to uh, persecute them. Why would they? If you're silent, no one needs to shut you up. If you're a Christian in secret, why would anybody need to come after you and try to silence you? So, I don't know. Could you be on Amish in real life? Maybe just start with a hat. We're called to spread the word, and when we do that, we skyline ourselves and we draw fire. So if you talk to Aaron Quinones, he's got this example that he uses that is really, it's a really good word picture. So if the military were uh, out there on patrol... Uh, in the war zone, they're on patrol. Um, they're going to stay on the cliffside, uh, underneath the skyline on the cliffside because they blend in better. So imagine, I don't know, a dozen of them in camo all spread out against the hillside. They're going to be really difficult to pick out and spot when you're looking at it. Even, even if they're on the side in full visibility, they'll be difficult to see. I mean, obviously, if you were on the other side with a mountain in, in between you, you'd be invisible. But they're right there, and that's where they prefer to pee because they're difficult to see in, because they don't contrast with the background around them. They blend right in. But if they get up high to the ridge line, then they end up in the sky. And so they silhouette because they're contrasted to the background behind them. So their behavior, their life and their image contrasts with the world around them. So it makes them really easy to spot and really easy for people to want to shoot at them. So when you're bold about your faith and you want to talk about Jesus and you're not hiding and blending in with the world around you, you're going to skyline yourself and people are going to want to take shots at you. So you have to be prepared for that, that that's going to happen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine so that they, by your behavior and your attitudes and your words, it will glorify your God in heaven, not draw attention to yourself. That's your purpose. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. You're skylining yourself so that it will draw attention to the glory of God, not to yourself. That's what the Bible says. Your goal, uh, their goal is to shame you and embarrass you. And if they can get you to shut up or give up, then they win. It's all the same. Whether you give up or shut up or disappear or hide, it's all the same to them. You're quiet. No one's going to be influenced and they can continue to do whatever they want. So don't be quiet. Live your life out loud. Live your life out loud. That's what the Bible's calling us to do. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Stop. This is a very important part about you being persecuted. That when they say all kinds of evil things against you that are false and they're saying it for the sake of the Lord. You can't just go out and be a mouthy jerk and rude and offensive to people and then be like, hey, they're rejecting me because of Jesus. No, they're rejecting you because you're crass and irritating. 
You're annoying to be around. You're rude. It's not the same thing. If you're rude for the cause of Christ and people reject you, they're rejecting you for being rude. But if they reject you and accuse you falsely because they're trying to to dethrone Jesus, then you should rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, again, is drawing this example to show they persecuted the prophets in the Old Testament. We all know that. We all saw that. What makes you think it's going to be different for you? Mentally preparing them for what's coming in the future. Name-calling, labeling, and accusations are the weapons of today. I, I would guarantee you that, at least in this country, but probably I can't think of a place in the world, there, no one's going to go gather the mob and show up at your door with pitchforks and torches and haul you into the thing and try to, to discredit you. No one does that anymore. And no one even has a pitchfork anymore. But what they have is the social media mob. All they got to do is stir up the media or the, the mob on social media with a lie or an accusation or a rumor, something. Most people will cancel you before they're even done reading the tweet. It just takes an accusation for them to try to take you down. And those are the weapons of today. And that's what you got to be uh, aware of, that this is going to come your way eventually. Name-calling, labeling, and accusations. And so, be ready for it. You can't control the actions of others, but you are responsible for your own actions. Things that other people do, do, do to you don't justify negative behavior from you to anybody else. It's not how it works. Everything is in the Bible. Everything, even how to behave on social media. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 9 through 11. If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. Have you ever get in an argument on Facebook with anybody? There's no winning. If they get mad or they get happy, no one wins. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the upright seek his well-being. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. If you haven't learned that lesson yet... Learn it here. Don't make that mistake. You got to use some outcome-based decision-making because you got to trust God who controls the future. So what you got to do, outcome-based decision-making is basically the process of deciding where you want to end up at the end and then working your way back through the decisions to get from where you are now to where you want to end up in the end. So what most people do is they start here and they say, I'm hurt and offended and I want to get them back and I want to be seen as right. And they start firing things back and that ends up making them actually look bad. And then now people think negatively of them and their God and then they have to do some damage control there. And at the end of the day, no one wins. But if you start at the end and say, hey, uh, my goal is to glorify God and make sure that he's seen in a positive light and that maybe some people seeing this interaction will want to come to christ then you say well i can't be a jerk about it i guess i'll have to give up having people see me as right and i have to live righteously so then maybe i need to be patient and wash my words and then they get you back to where you're hurt and offended so then you go down a road with the decision in mind already that the outcome is where you want to be and that's how you're going to get there in romans chapter 12 verse 17 through 19 
Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much it depends as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You have to trust that God has your future in his hands. Amen? Think about what Jesus would do, because the ultimate goal is bringing God glory. You want to know what Jesus would do? Let's take a look. <laughs> First Peter chapter 2, 21-23, I believe it is. It says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, which is God. That's a great example to set. And the second point is this. Don't worry about their lies because the truth will come to light. Matthew 10, chapter 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Um, do you guys remember we used to have a vice president named Mike Pence? Yeah. So Mike Pence uh, was a devout Christian. He's, he's pretty much known for it. He's very um, strict in his belief system and his Christian faith. And so uh, as the vice president, or actually probably in his whole life, he used what was called the Billy Graham rule. Do you guys know what the Billy Graham rule is? Essentially, the Billy Graham rule is, in a nutshell, is that he won't spend any time alone with a woman who's not his wife. Won't go out to dinner alone, no, no indoor private meetings, not riding in a car alone with a woman who's not his wife. It's pretty simple. That's pretty much the essence of it. And so as vice president, that was his rule. So it's a great rule. Honestly, lots of people do it. I would imagine that there's even non-Christian men who have a rule like that. Why? To honor their wives, to be above reproach, to avoid any rumors or accusations. How hard is it to uh, uh, level an accusation against a man who's never alone with a woman? What are you going to say? It's easy. It's like, what are you talking about? When have I ever been alone with this woman? Right? I mean, you're avoiding all sorts of heartache and problems, honoring your wife at the same time, removing any kind of temptation that could exist. Because when you look at affairs that happen with these pastors or people or anybody, I would say that it's almost always something that built up over time. Not something that just happened one time, but something that built over relationships and private conversations and, and diving in deep. And the next thing you know, you have this bond. And next thing you know, you're having an affair. These things build over time. So if you're doing outcome-based decision-making and you know that affairs would be damaging to your ministry, to your marriage, to your friends, they destroy things. How many times have we seen ministries destroyed by affairs? And you see that that's a negative outcome. Why don't you walk all the way back here and say, maybe I'll just never be alone with some woman who's not my wife and then we won't get to that negative outcome. It just makes sense. But not to the press. The press was ridiculous. They teased him. They goaded him. They threw accusations at him. The press, and I looked up a bunch of articles. There's, I found at least a dozen different articles condemning him for having this rule. 
They insulted his wife, called her controlling and fearful, said she didn't trust her husband. They implied that he must have some seriously deep lust issues, that he saw women as objects if he was so afraid that he couldn't be around them without something happening. They reframed the whole conversation from not being alone with one woman to won't be in a room with any women at all. That's a totally different thing. He's okay being in the presence of other women just with people around him. But it takes it from something that sounds reasonable to something that sounds crazy. Why? To discredit him and discredit what he's trying to accomplish. And watch this. This is how bad it gets. It was called gender discrimination. It was demeaning to women. That's what they said. Trying to protect everyone's purity is now demeaning to women. It was blatantly sexist. And this was the one that I thought was the most interesting. It was criticized for ignoring the plight of the LGBT community. How do we get there? How, how do we make it down that road? Because those are the type of things that destroy people in power. You just start throwing accusations and say, they hate this, they hate that. All he wants to do is honor his wife. But this is the one that blew my mind the most. An, uh, an op-ed actually described it as anti-gospel. Yeah. Oh, this is this is the opposite of what Jesus would do. Why? Because Jesus met with the woman at the well. Remember? She was kind of a, a harlot. She had lots of husbands. And he met with her and talked to her. And so Jesus wouldn't do this. But they were in public. In the town square. At noon. And his disciples were just on, on their way. That's not the same thing as going out to coffee with somebody else's wife. Is it? But these are the kind of things they would fire at him. Can't a man just have some boundaries in his life? How on earth did this become controversial? It's insane to me. Why do they even care? They hate him anyways. But they want to discredit him, throw labels on him and attack him. But this is what's interesting too. Maybe you can find it. I couldn't find any articles or posts or tweets or YouTube videos of Pence defending his choice. Or any angry attacks on the hypocrites who write these type of stories. I couldn't find any of that. Seems like he just went on living his life. Apparently, just honoring God and honoring his wife was good enough for him. Penn speaks out about accusations. Why? Why does he have to do that? Don't be afraid about what will happen if you get attacked for your faithful Christian values. Don't worry about it. It's hurtful. I understand that. But attacking back just makes you frustrated. It's distracting to the message and it tarnishes your witness. It will just make you look bad. I guarantee it. If you allow somebody to bait you into some kind of argument and get you to be angry and aggressive, they'll turn around and make it look like it's all your fault. There's no winning. So don't fight it. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven through eight. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. 
and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness, righteousness' sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. You have to stand for truth. Sometimes that don't mean being rejected and being made fun of. Now, there's all sorts of reasons uh, for people to not like you. There just is. But you're just going to have to move on with your life sometimes and accept it. Don't worry about their lies or defending yourself. God is your defender. Matthew chapter 6 verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day. uh, uh, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you spend a bunch of time worrying about what will happen if... What if they see this and then they get offended and then they do this? And it, listen, today has enough trouble of its own. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Today's enough for me. That, that, I mean, a lot of times I'm just in the present. And some will say, hey, what about this thing that's happening next week? I'm like, I'm just trying to get through today. Let's get through today first and then we'll worry about that later. Every day has got enough worries of its own. You don't need to spend a bunch of time racking your brain and getting stressed out and worrying about what they may say if blah, blah, blah. Just live your life for Christ and let it be what it is. Don't be a people pleaser. If you try to walk the line uh, of making everyone happy and not offending anyone, it'll eventually lead to compromise. You, you can't do it. I, I'm just going to be uh, prophetic right now. You will offend somebody. This world, everyone's offended by everything now. I mean, you can't do it. I mean, people are offended by how, I mean, if people are offended by how Mike Pence just wanted to honor his wife, they're going to be offended by what you do. You're not going to get away with trying to uh, walk this line of trying to um, make everybody happy and not offend everybody. Eventually, someone's going to be offended by you anyway. It'll just lead to compromise. You'll have to compromise your values to not offend somebody. And that's not where you want to be. Don't waste your time on the haters. Haters are going to hate. Now, I want to make the distinction because sometimes people are hateful and mean because they're hurting and they're lost. And they need you to push past that awfulness and show them that you love them so that they can get to know the Savior. But there's a lot of people who are just mean and hateful just to be mean and hateful. You're not going to win them over. Stop wasting your time on people like that. You're not going to win them over. Jesus even told his disciples this a, a few verses back during the same narrative where he's instructing his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. He says, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Just be done with it. There's only so much you can do when you're not going to make everybody happy. Um, There was a sermon that uh, somebody showed me a couple years ago. It was perfect timing, actually, um, by T.D. Jakes. And the sermon was basically about uh, the the line that I totally remember was um, that... uh, it's funny that I just said I totally remember it. Now I have to look at my notes. I just got, I got nervous. Like, what if I say it wrong? That's terrible. If they can walk away from you, let them go. If they can walk away from you, let them go. Basically, if for all the time you've spent with them, the ministry you've done with them, the relationships you've shared, all that, those things, if they could walk away from all of that, then, then they were never with you to begin with. You just kind of have to let them go and be okay with it. 
If they don't want to come back to you and reconcile and rebuild the relationship and say, hey, you really offended me and made me mad, but I know who you are, so I'm just going to assume that that was an accident. Let's talk it through or fight it through or whatever. And they're just willing to just walk away with you or walk away from you. Then they were never with you. Just let them go. Because you can't be all things, all people. You have to be who God created you to be and accept the consequences of that. Because there's going to be consequences for you living the life that God's created you to live. It's just the way the world works. You'll be okay, though. You'll be okay. You're going to be fine. Because you're representing God, and that's the point. Not yourself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as a light to the world. When you're representing God and not trying to defend yourself, you have to think about what the outcome of that's going to be. It says, don't complain and dispute. Be blameless in the sight of a crooked and perverse generation. That's how your light shines because it's in such contrast to the world around you. When people are attacking you and everyone's saying, hey, why aren't you defending yourself? Why don't you, uh, you know, throw this back in their, their face? You're like, listen, I'm just going to keep living my life for the Lord and I'm going to let the Lord fight my battles for me and I'm just going to try to love on people even if they hate on me. Boy, will you stand out from the crowd when you do stuff like that. And don't compromise. Sin doesn't want to share. It wants it all. If you give sin an inch, it will take a mile. And I don't know if you've noticed this lately, but if you think about it, it's this way all the time. Sin wants sin to be prevalent. So if you try to compromise with sin and compromise your values, sin is just going to continue to pull you and continue to pull you until it has everything. Don't even go there. There's no compromise with it. There's no sum. It will take all. You need to stay all in on honoring the Lord. Psalms 27, verse 11 through 14. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and such as breath out violence. And such as breath out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. My third point is this. Preach the word anyway and be a light to the world. Matthew chapter 10 verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach at the housetops. Jesus is speaking to them now, instructing and guiding them and preparing them for future ministry. Because if you think about, he's telling them that they're going to get persecuted. And he's, he's not just talking about their current mission because they really haven't been persecuted at all. What's even happened to them so far? I mean, Jesus just selected them as his disciples. They've been around him. They've seen how Jesus gets treated. Um, some of them were uh, disciples of John the Baptist. So they've been within this idea of uh, the Lord being the Messiah for a while. Um, but how, what have they actually gone through at this point? Not a lot. So he's warning them, hey, you will. It will happen. So be prepared. He's trying to let them know what the future holds for them. When the time comes, they need to be prepared to preach the gospel in public without any shame or hesitation. 
So he's telling the apostles right now that they need to be prepared for the future. But we see in Acts chapter 5 what the future actually holds. So the, um, in Acts chapter 5, the apostles are doing ministry um, and they're preaching in the temple of Jerusalem. Uh, and they're performing miraculous signs and wonders. And many people are getting saved and healed. And they're drawing big crowds from the surrounding cities. So the apostles are now actually out preaching. And they're doing it in a public place where there's going to be all sorts of discourse. Where do you think all the people that, uh, all these religious leaders that hate them hang out? In the synagogue, in the temple. And so they're like, no, we got to go there because that's where people are coming to find out about who God is. And we're going to let them know they're preaching in public. So this is what they're doing. So the Jewish leaders, Jewish leaders get mad at them and throw them all in prison. But an angel of the Lord sets them free. So they get thrown in prison. An angel of the Lord comes and opens the gates for them. So what do you think they did? They went right back to the temple that very morning to preach the word some more. They could have easily just said, okay, that was a close one. We're out. Let's go to a different town. They said, nope, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're going to do. They go right back into it. So Acts chapter 5, verse 26 through 32. It says, Then the captain went with the officers and brought them, the apostles, in without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had uh, brought them, they uh, set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend on bringing this man's blood onto us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Uh, Him... God has exalted to the right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance of Israel, uh, uh, give repentance to Israel and forgive sins. And we are his witnesses to these things so that also, uh, so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. Peter's my favorite um, because uh, Peter will just say it. You know, that Peter, Peter, I don't think Peter ever had a conversation where he was like, um, you're talking to John, like, and I said, they're wrong and that they should give their life to the Lord. John said, you said that? No, but if they could hear what I was thinking, <laughs> Peter, I don't think Peter ever had one of those, like, if they knew what I was thinking moments, I think he just said it. And so right now, they've been arrested. Uh, they, they were in prison. They got out. They've been arrested. The, the leaders are like, listen, we told you not. And he says, he answered them, we would obey God rather than men. And then instead of just saying, listen, we're just going to listen to God instead of you, if that's okay. He goes on to preach the gospel to them too. <laughs> he says, uh, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, who you murdered... By hanging on a tree. He's not, Peter doesn't pull punches. He's like, I'm going to be honest with you. That you Jewish religious leaders crucified Jesus. That's what you did. The God of our fathers raised Jesus up, who you murdered by hanging on a tree, and exalted him to the right hand. He's the Savior. Israel needs to repent and forgive, be forgiven of their sins. And they're testifying to this. So even in this moment, they're not missing their chance to preach the gospel, even to the religious leaders who should honestly know what's going on, but clearly they don't. This is exactly what Jesus is preparing for us. Are you going to be ready? Now's the time to prepare your hearts and minds to serve the Lord boldly in the face of a world that will reject you. 
It's going to happen to you. Now, some people would say, like, this is the worst it's ever been. No, this is not the worst it's ever been. Look at history. There are some horrible seasons of history. There's been some really, really bad times. And there's many countries on the globe right now that are way worse than what we're dealing with. But nonetheless, sometimes this stuff is pretty bad. And I do think it's likely to get worse. So knowing that and thinking the outcome being to be bold in your faith, you should start preparing now. Just like Jesus is telling them to be prepared for this stuff to happen to them. I'm telling you, be prepared for this stuff to happen to you. If you're going to be bold about your faith, this is going to happen to you. They're going to call you a demon and try to discredit your ministry. Be prepared for that. Have your heart and mind ready. They called Jesus names. They disrespected him. You're going to receive the same thing. I'm going to end with these verses here. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 12. It says, yes, and all who desire to live a godly, to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Pretty straightforward. And Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 19 says, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am, uh, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. God is with you. God's in charge of the future. God controls. So put your faith and trust in him as you walk out your ministry. Amen. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me? This is a great time and a great place to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've just heard the gospel. We're sinners. We need to recognize that. We need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. Our response to knowing that He's our Savior is to accept it, uh, repent of our sins, and turn away from that life and live a life uh, for Jesus. So if that, if you are here in this place and you want to make today the day that you give your life to Christ and become a Christian, this is the first time, never done it before, but today now you want to live for Christ. Why don't you raise your hand and show me that that's you because we want to pray for you today. Somebody gave their life to Christ for a service. It was awesome. Awesome. If you're, if you're in this place and you're a Christian, I hope you feel um, reminded and empowered to walk out your faith boldly. Um, let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much. We just give you the glory and the praise. Let us not forget uh, what you've done for us, Lord God, and the power you've given us as believers. And I pray that we walk out of this place with boldness and confidence, trusting in you for our future. In your holy name, Lord. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.